1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? like a thousand years ago I fought my way out of that cave became Iron Man realized I loved you I know I said no more surprises but I was really hoping to pull off one last one the world has changed None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. I saw all these people die. telling everybody they should move on. Some do, but not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I like this one.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review program. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am pumped to be here today to talk about Avengers Endgame. And along with me today, we have Mr. Al Sedano. Hey, Paul. Hey, Al. How are you? I'm here. I'm awake, and damn, that movie was good. And we have Mr. Blaine Dowler. Hey, thanks for having me back. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming back. So we all really like the movie, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. So, it, as we sit here right now, the movie just came out this you know a few days ago, when we both we both we all three managed to see it within the last few days. And for a change, I'm putting out a uh, timely uh, review of a movie. Uh, just if you haven't seen it yet, I'm pretty confident we're going to be filling the filling the room with spoilers. So you may want to see the movie first and then listen to this, but. You know, listen at your own peril at this point, from this point forward. Uh, so we pick up pretty much where we left off at the end of uh, Infinity War. And I saw it yesterday. Uh, I generally avoid 3D, and I don't necessarily mind IMAX. I'm just not, I'm kind of averse to the amount of money they charge to see IMAX. Uh so, you know, I see it sort of in a regular theater, you know, with the recliners, because I'm old and I need to be comfortable. But saw it yesterday afternoon and really enjoyed it. And how did you guys see it? And just, you know, hear your quick one or two word review. When you go. Um, yeah, I saw it in the local Ultra AVX, which is how we usually do it, because those are the tickets that are available, either that or the, the more expensive VIP when the tickets go on sale day one. So that's 3D, not completely reclining, but tip back a bit and extra leg room kind of theater. So, yeah, got there for the Friday 7 p.m. tickets. Just not quite as optimal as the seating we usually get, but that's because they sold out so fast. Mm. How about you, Al? Well, actually, what's, um, your, what's your... I'm sorry, uh, Blaine, what was your, your quick thoughts on it? I... Thought it it pulled it, everything up to this point together nicely, and it 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 effectively ended sort of this chapter. Uh, you know, for comparison, imagine like if the Marvel movies were like the the Buffy TV series. This is one of those great season finales that pulls together everything up till now, but they're ready to tell more stories when the next season starts. Right, I, I would agree with that. How about you, Al? Um, I saw it on Friday afternoon because I'm usually off on Fridays, so like. I ran my ticket like two weeks before, so I went to the one thirty show, and full recliner. Had lunch. At, the movie theater actually has like a full restaurant inside, so I had lunch and drink beforehand. It was a nice relaxing day. I liked it. <laughs> but no movie. Um, wow. It was very. I thought Infinity War was impressive with how they were able to pull everything in, but this even a bit more so. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's where I wanted to go first was to talk about our anticipation or expectations going into it uh I, I you know i couldn't help but be excited i enjoyed infinity war so much that i thought you know i really you know i i like to keep my expectations low because as we've talked about in the past on this show when your expectations get too high it's it's easy to be disappointed um so I, I yeah. generally try not to get too much in, in the way of anticipation. I also try to avoid spoilers, which usually actually helps me to keep my anticipation a little lower. Because usually the spoilers are things that get you excited about seeing the movie. Um, but 
despite the fact that I did really avoid spoilers, I didn't have any to speak of going in, uh, other than my daughter had seen it on fr- on Friday night, and she said to me, there's a scene that's going to make you want to stand up and cheer. <laughs> that, that's that's as much of a spoiler as I got. Uh, and she actually went to it with us to see it a second time, and when, when the scene came up, uh, which, again, is spo- we're spoilering in the movie anyway, which is when Cap wielded Mjolnir. That's uh, yes, I figured. You know, she started patting me on the arm like, see, see? Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, my, my excitement was there, but I had a little bit of a reservation because I do find that in fiction in general, whether it's on, you know, in the movies or in books or whatever, most more in books than anything else. But I do find that sometimes the buildup is easy, but the conclusion is difficult to, you know, to, to properly maneuver. Uh, the, the example I would give is I, I was a big Stephen King fan for a long time. And his books would usually have a really good build-up to the story and sometimes a less than satisfying conclusion. And I kind of went along the lines with him of thinking it's the journey, not the uh, the destination. destination. And I was always able to enjoy his books despite the fact that I felt that the landing didn't, wasn't always as smooth as I would like. Uh, but because of that, I'm always a little apprehensive about things like this as to whether or not they're going to be able to pull off the conclusion in, in a satisfying way. So that can always keep me, you know, can temper my expectations a little bit. And I had that going into this because I knew it was going to be at least a conclusion to this chapter. Uh, also, you know, by way of anticipation, I had been on the record so i can't deny that i said i did not think that they would kill off any of the main characters or that if they did they would do so in a way where they could reverse it eventually because these characters are worth billions of dollars to them and i i don't see them wanting to put any of them on the shelf uh so i stand corrected with regard to iron man because cap i think you could reverse that with comic book logic if you choose to yeah, I would add Black Widow to the list with Iron Man. Well, Black Widow, I'm, I'm particularly surprised because there is there have been many, many rumors that there's going to be a Black Widow movie. Now, it could be a uh, flashback of, of sorts, but... Well, that's what I've heard, that is a flashback. Although, that was kind of weird, because when they got to that point, I really was expecting Hawkeye, because from everything they've done story-wise, he's going to be retired. So he was either going to be dead or retired at the end of this movie anyway... And if she's going to be doing a movie, why not have her be the one alive? Well, Hawkeye's supposed to have a series on the new Disney streaming. Oh, he is? Oh. He does, and the Black Widow movie, it is happening. They've had a number of casting announcements. But I haven't actually seen an official announcement that Scarlett Johansson is a part of it. It's just something that everyone has been assuming. I, I, I do think there's there's ways of... You know, it's, it's, it'll be a little incredulous, but I think there are ways of, of reviving her character with comic book logic. Uh, the one that, that I think is most difficult to revive is Tony Stark, but, you know, we've, we've seen, in the comics, we've seen characters come back from more more, more uh, final deaths than that one. Uh, uh, for all we know, the next Avengers movie is going to be The Crossing. <laughs> yeah, it could be. That would, I don't think I'd want that, but... <laughs> Then again, I, I wasn't sure, you know, there's a few things that they've done that I wasn't sure I wanted and ended up being very, very happy with them. Uh, 
so okay, I, you know, I, I'm kind of we're kind of tangenting off because I was talking about my anticipation for the movie, and I didn't give you guys a chance to to give what you think. Right. I'll can go first this time. I would say I was highly anticipating after Infinity War because, like I said before, I mean that. Forgetting story aside, doing how they did though the fact that basically that was the most we've ever closest we've ever seen an actual comic book event. Secret Wars or Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever, where you bring in all the titles and everyone's in there. And that's what that was. And I never thought we would actually see something like that done well in a live-action movie. But I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it because they did kind of twist a little bit the original you know, original story. You know, they, they, they did their, put a spin on it, mm-hmm. which was good. So I wasn't sure where they were going to go with this one. I was just really crossing my fingers that it would be as good as that. Because, like you said, I didn't want them to ruin the landing because, quite frankly, usually that's what you remember afterwards. You know, if the movie's okay in the middle but great at the end, you're kind of going to remember it more positively than if it was good in the middle and bad at the end. Right. Oh, yeah, I definitely and, agree. Well, I, I always cite In Ray Lost. <laughs> you know, there, there's something that kept me riveted throughout its run and then just kind of spit the bit on the landing as far as I was concerned, and I no longer really have any desire to revisit it because of that. Exactly. So, I mean, all the different movies were good, but if, for the most part, I mean, a lot of them were good for the most part, but if this movie tank, you know, didn't do what wasn't good, you know, it kind of would sour up a lot of people, and probably I'm watching them over and over, at least in mass, you know, watching the whole thing, as opposed to, like, let's just watch the two Captain America movies we like. Yeah, you wouldn't be seeing quite so many tickets sold for the, you know, 68-hour marathons of everything to date. Exactly, and I'm sure they wouldn't be selling it. I'm sure the inevitable giant, you know, Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray brick of all 22 movies box that I'm sure is coming out would not do half as well. Well, you know, I, I don't know for certain, but I, uh, I wonder about that because I'm thinking most of the big fans have already... You know, have already got so many of the movies that you're not going to buy a big box set. But if you don't have any of them, I guess there's there's a certain uh, appeal to that. Yeah, they have been releasing complete phase box sets so far. So the phase one and two box sets are out. And they officially say that actually Spider-Man Far From Home is the last film of phase three and not, uh, not Endgame. So I'm expecting this fall to have the giant phase three brick. And then who knows, they might offer the complete package, but... I would think yeah. they're going to have some sort of collectibles or content to make that appealing, because like Paul's saying, at this point, a lot of the people who jumped on, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Phase 1 brick was the highest seller, because people are like, no, I'm invested, so I'll get that brick to help me catch up, and then I'll just buy the movies as they come out. You know, yeah, maybe not, phase two, so. maybe not a giant box out of everything, but like at least the Phase 3 one, because that's right, they have those, and I mean, with digital and streaming and stuff, there's enough movies out there that you could wait for the phase box sets and still be able to watch the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that are in that box set until you get them. Well, I think, this, you know, obviously these people are in it to make the money, so I think one of the keys for them is figuring out ways to, new ways to package it so that people are going to double and triple up on movies they already own. <laughs> so, you know, that, that seems to be a pretty standard uh, thing that they do. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing extra fe- extra features and whatever in, a, in an effort to do that. Uh, exactly. So now, watching this movie, I got to say my first impression 
as it went on, you know, with the exception of the opening, the opening battle with Thanos when they track him down and they uh, confront him, with the exception of that, it took a while for the action to ramp up. And I started thinking, you know, okay, they, they decided to make a more thoughtful movie here. Uh, and I started wondering how, you know, I, I was a little surprised because I was thinking if, if it goes like this throughout, I wouldn't have been hearing the positive buzz that I have because people are expecting an action-packed movie. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of sitting there saying, uh, you know, am I missing something here? And I was enjoying the character moments they were giving me. Don't get me wrong. And I started thinking, you know, this this may be, you know, the Russo brothers trying to really put this into, you know, the uh, a much more dramatic category and, and le- you know, not be so much on, in the superhero genre. Uh and then the action ramped up, and that that was all left behind. But initially, I was, you know, I, was, I started wondering about it. To be honest with you, is where we, where are we going to go? Is this going to be a totally different movie than what I anticipate? Yeah, and I think that was the whole point of that. Because um, for my expectations going in, I expected high quality, but I expected the storyline to stay closer to the source material. And like you said, that confrontation with Thanos that we get in what the first ten to fifteen minutes—that's what I expected the whole film to culminate on. Because that's the kind of mission I figured that's what's going to pull it off. That's what's going to be successful. And then they started by saying, "No, that's not on the table." And mm-hmm. five years later, like, "No, this is the reality." And then we see what their mindset is. So it it really felt like you know, Act One is letting us know where the characters are now, do the status quo, and give us time to realize that our story expectations are probably not going to match what they have in this script. So instead of being disappointed by what was coming, they gave us the chance to actually live with the characters for a while, see where they are, and reset our expectations so that when they did get into their play, and you know the time heist, as they call it, then we were open to what they were showing. I think had they dove into that the time heist early on. We'd have been going, yeah, is this really what we want? Would we rather see that? I, I think that it, it was an important sort of mental reset to give the audience an exercise to adjust our expectations so that the story we were expecting would line up with the story they were telling, even though there were a lot of surprises along the way. And I, I, think, yeah. I think the time heist aspect of it, in, in my mind, was brilliant because it gave them a chance to revisit some things, revisit some characters, give us some quick cameos, uh, or even, you know, slightly longer ones, like with this, in the case of, like, Howard Stark. Uh, and, and to do some things that you might not have done otherwise, and I never saw, I didn't see that coming going into this. I didn't think there was going to be a time travel aspect of it. Uh, even though it's such a common trope within the comics, and even these sp- we're going to split up into three groups, that whole thing, I, I just thought it was brilliantly handled. Yeah, I had a similar thing, movie, I was thinking about it a similar way, because the first movie, I mean, Infinity War, going with, since we talked about, before we started recording theme parks, was very much a roller coaster ride the most of the way through. It was up, down, up, down, but it was a roller coaster. This one... Starts off with like a minor roller coaster, and then it's like a lo- it's like an Epcot ride for like 20, 30 minutes, and then it's the roller coaster starts up again. But we're in that middle part where it's like kind of nice and slow, and I was a little confused. I was like, "Wait, we're going to Thanos already? Like, where are they gonna go from here?" And then it got quiet. And I was I was almost starting to feel disappointed. I'm like, "No, no, wait, this is still good though." So 
give it a few minutes, you know, just just keep watching. And as I kept watching, I kept enjoying that slower part more until we got to the action-adventure ramp-up again. And like you said, the time heist, which was real, I wasn't expecting and was really enjoyable. And the fact that I was expecting nods and bits and pieces to the original comics, I wasn't expecting them to also crip a little bit from Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely, while it was on, I was thinking, boy, this is Back to the Future Part 2. Which is not especially something I expected. Especially when Tony's hiding in the background as he's like the Avengers are posing against Loki. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. Yeah, I, I, there was definitely that vibe to it, which was pretty obvious as it was going on, and 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 you know, in a good way. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I, I I just thought that was great, and it, like I said, it gave him a chance to have some cameos in there. It, it's amazing right now what they can do with the. Uh, the CGI de-aging technology now. I mean, Michael Douglas looked like he was in Streets of San Francisco, uh, you know, that age, which is, whatever, 40 years ago. Um, well, I thought I saw somebody credited as Hank Pym, young Hank Pym. You think maybe it was, maybe he just did the voice, and then they... Uh... No, they, they had that for the other ones, too. So for a lot of the de-aging, um, they had a stand-in, was the one physically on set, and then they use CGI to wrap their head around it because Michael okay. Douglas is—he's not young enough to go tearing down the hall like that actor did. So it was a CGI well, that rendering actor, of Michael that actor Douglas's face. We just saw from behind. We never saw the face when he was running down the hall. I don't think. No, but they—they they had the same stand-in so that the suit would fit the same way and all of that. So Michael Douglas provided the voice, and they digitally wrapped his face around that actor. But okay, so kind of like Sean Gunn does. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it was the the like the on set version. So yeah, like you're saying, Sean Gunn for Rocket Raccoon and stuff. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. That was interesting uh, to see. I, I find that interesting that the whole Howard Stark thing, because the actor who plays young Howard Stark in the Captain America movies and in Agent Carter, uh, is very different looking. What's that, Dominic something or other? Uh, he he looks very different from the actor who plays older Howard Stark. From Iron Man 2. From Iron Man 2 and from uh, Ant-Man. Uh, I mean, I, I, know, I know him from the series uh, Mad Men, that actor. Uh, and they used him again, but then they had to bring him back further and make him younger than they did in those movies. And that was, I think that was pretty pretty much practical effects. I don't think there was really too much in the way of CGI to make him look younger. But it was also a, a, a real, you know, there were a lot of real good callbacks in this movie. And I thought that was one of them because, you know, if, if you recall in Civil War when Tony Stark talks about, you know, he never got to say goodbye to his father, never got to, you know, tell him uh, how he felt and all of that. So he gets to do that. Uh, and and that's that should have probably been the... Uh, you know the, the the sign on the road that that Tony's not surviving this movie. Yeah, I did like they did that part. I also like I said the time stuff. I liked the way they were able to tap into some of those things. That and Thor and his mom. Mm-hmm. That was a good conversation. Plus, we get to see that apparently it's not just Thor; it's all his guardians who think Rocket's a rabbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I I also found it interesting that. On a callback for Thor, they decided to go to Dark World, which is commonly the least uh, popular of the Marvel Cinematic U- Movies, or at least one of the, the least po- least popular. So it was a little surprising that they chose that for a callback, but I thought that was 
I thought it was actually sense. a good choice. Yeah, I thought it made sense, and I, yeah. I didn't think that it, you know, that that there was any. Even if you didn't like Dark World, I don't think having that callback affected the quality of this movie in any way. So I thought that, I thought it was actually a good choice, and I think it might actually have people more interested in. Oh yeah, maybe I need to see that movie again. Yeah, I no. don't think they had a choice because the time heist was we need to go back and get the ether when it's available, and that was the only option. I mean, the only other option would have been uh, go to the collector at a point where he had both the ether and the power stone. Mm-hmm. Before you know, from after Guardians of the Galaxy and after Dark World, but before Infinity War. One of the things that was not in there that I would have thought for certain we were going to see uh, was I figured after the opening of Infinity War, where they set Thanos up as being the biggest and the baddest by having him easily beat up the Hulk. I thought we were going to see a, a little bit more of a rematch between the two of them where you know, the Hulk shows he can clearly hold his own against Thanos now because uh, that was Thanos with the Power Stone. Mm-hmm. I thought we'd yeah, see that, that and we right. didn't. And yet I didn't feel this... I didn't even think about that actually during the movie. Yeah, oh, I didn't, think about, about it. I didn't think about it during the movie. <laughs> I thought about it afterwards, thinking, oh, I, I, thought, I expected we'd see that. Now, you know, yeah. the, the Russo brothers, I think, have a, a slightly better, uh, a, a little better talent for putting together a movie than I do. So I, I'll trust that it was a good choice, but I was a little surprised not to see it. Yeah, honestly, watching that, the only thing where I felt even a little bit let down was when Strange turns to Wong and says, is that everybody? And Wong says, you wanted more? I was hoping that more portals would open and that the TV characters would start pouring out as well. Or, or the Fantastic Four or the X-Men, you know, now that Marvel yeah. has the rights to them. I would have loved to have seen that. That would have gotten a, a huge <laughs> uh, reaction from the audience if they could have done that. Or, and and even, you could have done it even a little... Time, you so. could have even done it a little bit more subtly and just had some characters that you didn't recognize to... You know, to be identified later, kind of thing. You know, you could have seen him in silhouette or something. I, I to don't be know. cast later. Yeah. Well, I knew that X Men and the the FF, they Marvel got the rights to that so late in the game, even after the preview screenings had gone for some of the ratings boards, that there was no way we were going to see those. But you know, I knew it wasn't possible because of the the nature of the contracts for at least until twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two or something. But I'd have loved to see the defenders from Netflix pouring out. You know, and I'm, I haven't watched them. I haven't watched Agents of Shield in a while, but I'm sure they had fans who would have loved to see like Quake and that group come through, or you know, the Cloak and Dagger. But <laughs> what David Hasselhoff? <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, no, I no, no, it, no, part of... nobody going for that one. <laughs> no, I mean, it's all part of the shared universe. But yeah, it's uh, those are officially part of the same continuity, but. You know, Kevin Foggy split to to not be beholden to the TV series because that was part of the reason he was hesitant to do the Inhumans. Is he? These movies have done so well, largely because Kevin Feige is sort of in control of the plot structure for everything. And when Inhumans was going to be a movie, it was going to spin out of the Inhumans treatment on Agents of Shield, and Feige didn't want to be forced to play someone else's game. He wanted to have control of all the pieces on the board or things like this, and it's done well. So I totally understand why when he took that to the big wigs at Disney, they said, yeah, okay, we're going to give you that freedom. So he's not beholden to TV, but I, 
and I get some of the audience who aren't watching the TV shows, right? Looking at the ratings for any of the TV shows, I'm thinking even ignoring the amount of audience that's overlapping compared to the number of tickets sold for these movies, if you include the TV shows, it would be great Easter eggs for some of us, but a lot of the audiences wouldn't know who they are. And we're talking about a movie that, you know, when the closing credits open and they flash the major names in front of pictures of the characters before the credits roll, they're flashing 65 names. Like, it's not a small cast to begin with. No, not at all. No. So I get why they don't want to add 20 more, but... Yeah, and I'm also wondering, because I thought I remember reading that, like, even though with the Disney streaming, they're not going to be able to do the, uh, the Netflix shows on there right away. And I'm wondering if there's maybe a rights thing with that, where while Netflix can't do it anymore, Disney, you know, they can't use that version of Daredevil or Punisher or Jessica Jones right away either. So maybe yeah, they couldn't, even if they wanted to, they couldn't. You know, even if he's like, I want to put Daredevil in here for five minutes. No, you can't. Sorry, can't have him on. Yeah, the, my understanding is that there's a two-year dead zone. So yeah. they can use these characters after, two years after Netflix is done with them. Yeah. So they, they couldn't get them in here, but that doesn't mean we can't see them down the road. And Jeff Loeb has flat out said, yeah, we're not done with these characters. So they're going to get a bit of a rest period, but it sounds like they want them back. And it also seems like this movie has set up that Loki Scarlet Witch streaming show that they mentioned. Vision Scarlet Witch. There's a a, Vision Scarlet Witch is one and Loki. Yeah, two separate shows. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah, sorry. So it's people running as a prequel because, you know, the Vision is, as far as we could tell, still destroyed. But I, I think we might see where Loki's coming from because there's a free alternate reality Loki from the time heist now. Yeah. Because yeah, they never, I, first thing I noticed when the movie ended is we never saw Loki again. He escaped and that was it. Yeah, so we, we do have the, the alternate reality Loki and we also have uh, the time-displaced Gamora. Yeah. So so we've, yep. we've got those characters back again uh, in, in a slightly altered format. And and that's, that's what I'm talking about as far as, you know, comic book logic. If they decide they want to bring back... Uh, the Black Widow, you, you know, there's ways to go about it, uh, and and they may not ring true with real science in any way, shape, or form. But they, uh, I, I'm not sure that the way Scarlet, I mean, uh, the way uh, the Black Widow was killed conforms to current science anyway, because I'm not sure that that oh. particular land actually exists. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, for me, that's for that. You know, all it's going to come down to is the internal logic, and if Bruce tried to bring her back when he had the Infinity Gauntlet and couldn't. Bringing her back is not going to be an easy thing to do. No, it's it's not. But, you know, there have been times in the comics where they brought back a character, and the way they brought them back I thought was cheap or poorly conceived. But then once the character was back, I said, okay, you know, I have them back again, and they have some good stories after they come back. Uh, and if that happens, I'm not going to really... Uh, I'm not going to really blame them for it if they want to bring it back, and especially if you do it in a uh, in a TV series. I think I'm more forgiving of them doing it in a ham-handed way in a TV series than I would be in a movie. Uh, but you know, that's we're, we're going to see. Uh, yeah, was... they, I mean, speaking of that, though, real quick, they did do one thing. They did besides really well besides ending this whole chapter, not just a phase, but chapter more or less of the Marvel universe. 
it really was a great setup for the other ones. Like we said, Loki and the, the Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a great setup for the next set, you know, for a couple other movies. And it was, it was, I mean, I think it was fairly clever that you could have uh, Peter Quill and, and Gamora declare their love for each other in the last movie, and now they're back together, but you're not hamstrung with that because she doesn't remember that she was in love with him. She's never met him. Well, yeah, except exactly. Except when she need him in the balls. And then she's like, that's the one? <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's an idiot. Yes, I know. Well, it was him or the raccoon or the tree. <laughs> Your so, choices yeah, were limited. I, I think, yeah, they, that, I think that that gives them the ability to to do some things because he'll be, you know, pining over her, and she's going to be like, hey, "Get away from me." So mm-hmm. I, I like that. Uh, what did you think about the choice to what they did with Thor? You know, they they used him largely for for comedy, and then you know they had him out of shape and fat, and you know, what do you, what do you think? It was pretty damn funny, amusing and funny, but also, I mean, it was funny, but it was also kind of sad, very sad. I mean, not just like, oh, he's fat, it's sad, but you could tell out of all of them, he was really dep- suffering from depression out of all this. I mean, he was in a very bad place, even though he was hiding it. And mm-hmm. to see, so it was a good, I thought it was actually a pretty decent arc for him to actually go from probably his lowest point even more so than he was in, let's say, Ragnarok or something, where, like, you know, his hammer's destroyed, his father's dead, his, you know, his, his brother's missing, he's trapped somewhere. This was probably his lowest point. Mm-hmm. And then he even sank a little lower, because for somebody who prided himself on being the hero of Asgard and protector of Earth, to physically become, you know, how he, you know, go, you know, go even further down from where he was mentally to go down physically as well, and yet by the end of the movie. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. And yet, by the end of the movie, he was right there with both Molnir and Stormbreaker. Right, yeah. Now, one of the things I geeked out about a little bit when I saw it, and we had only kind of seen it in a hazy flashback (laughs) sequence in the past, but I really got a kick out of the fact that Valkyrie was riding uh, Aragon. I I don't know why, because I was like, you know, we we haven't seen that really in the movie before. It was well done. Uh, I just liked the look of it. I I thought the, you know, the special effect on it worked beautifully. Um, That's one of the things, like I said, I just got a a big kick out of. And, you know, so many little Easter eggs in here that as they were occurring and I'm noticing them, I wasn't even thinking of them as Easter eggs anymore because they're just coming by so quickly. One one kind of an Easter egg that I didn't realize and I just saw as we're talking, I just saw it online, is that uh, when Cap has his uh, little support group that they're mm-hmm. talking, one of the people is Jim Starlin. Yep. That's where the cameo was? I've been meaning to look that up. Okay. So I'm going yeah, to he's, I'm gonna have to watch He's one of the people closely. in the support group. And, um, so is Joe The one Russo, who was speaking. Apparently. Yeah, Joe Russo was the guy who had the big speech about going on the uh-huh. date and everything. Jim Starlin was just one of the guys in the circle. I'm going to watch that, that again. closely next time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they got him in. I didn't, uh, you know. And then the other one, you know, at the end, uh, I didn't realize it. I, and I don't know if she just realized it or if she heard from somebody else. But, uh, you know, when they, at the end, at, at Tony's funeral, when they're, you know, yep. panning the crowd, uh, my daughter said to me, do you know who that is? When they showed the teenage boy standing by himself. And I was like, I'm not sure. And she was like, it's the boy from Iron Man 3. Which, mm-hmm. that one surprised me. I didn't expect that. And, I, you know, it was nice to see, like, Aunt May was there. And, you know, a lot of people just got to have their, you know, one second on screen. Yeah, yeah so I, I think... guess that kind of... 
Sorry, go on. Sorry, I think thinking back to all like the major characters that we've seen up to this point, we're missing what two? We were we didn't see Odin, and mm-hmm. we didn't see or maybe three because we also didn't see Jane Foster's coworkers, right? The yeah, Eric Selvig was only appeared yeah. as a photo saying missing, and same with yeah. the. What, what's her name's character? Kat Denning's character. Yeah. And of course, Vision did not appear at all. Well, I think I think that could be a major plot line in Vision Scarlet Witch when, uh, or is it I'm Vision Scarlet Witch or is it Scarlet Witch Vision? You know, of them resurrecting him. That you know, that could be like the first episode. Is is just how they resurrect him. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming, because otherwise it's kind of kind of be a really weird show if you have two characters in the title and only one shows up. Well, no. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> he's going to show Deadpool up. for, like, nine issues. Clearly he's going to show up. The question is, are they going to just have it that he's revived and they don't explain it to us? Or are they going to just give us a throwaway line to explain it to us? Or are they actually going to have that be part of the plot? I think that's the question. Maybe it's a yeah. backdoor pilot for Young Avengers, and we're going to get that reprogrammed Iron Land. No. Ooh, could... Could that be? Could that be what to bring in Kang? Well, that's you know we we discussed uh, the movie uh, you know on on Back to the Bins and that was one of Scott's uh, suggestions or hopes is that the next major villain that we see is going to be Kang and certainly with the time travel aspect of the movie that we just saw, it opens the door to that having been the thing to have kind of awakened Kang's awareness of what's going on at this particular uh, reality. Or no. even made Kang possible for... Right, we're talking mm. about a time-traveling villain, and now time-travel technology exists. Maybe he Kang's origin story is, yeah, that, that device you invented to, to stop the last apocalypse, that's the one I'm going to use to cause the next one. Yeah, that, that certainly ties together in a nice, neat bow. That's possible, although I will say, and as much as I love Kang... If we're gonna, if they're gonna be doing uh, another, another, you know, ultra, you know, ultra arcing villain like Thanos, although I do hope they do kind of like they did originally, where the first, next few movies are kind of, kind of just standalone and aren't really going towards the new plot yet. Like I don't want to see the reveal of the new villain just yet. Oh no! I want them to let the movies breathe a bit and then go back to it. But considering who they got back, I'm kind of hoping for Doom. But I think Doom has to be. An FF villain primarily. I don't, you know, I don't want them to bring him in as an Avengers villain. Oh, I want him to be like the. I mean, I do want him to be the FF villain, but I want him to be kind of like how that, you know, the everyone villain. Eventually, I want him to be big. You know, Doom can follow Thanos, so I'm fine with them doing F, Doom and the FF, and then have him being what is the problem to be solved eventually for everybody. Yeah, I, I think you know the key word you used was Doom could be the everyone villain eventually. I think, you know, we, we have to have, finally, I hope, a good Fantastic Four movie. And, Not uh, made by Pixar. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You beat me to it. And then from there, you know, we, we, we introduce... I wouldn't even mind if we have to have two Fantastic Four movies before we meet Doctor Doom. <clears throat> yeah, that's... You know what, the other option, if they're mining the major crossover events for inspiration... I know we're getting off on a tangent. This is less endgame and more speculation. Hope for what's coming. I really wouldn't mind if they use the Fantastic Four movies to introduce Annihilus and start going towards Annihilation. Um, possibility. I'm not. 
opposed to that as an idea, but I don't think you want to go right to Annihilus. And I, like I said, I, I kind of would like if we have a really good FF origin movie, and I would be inclined to stick with what we, we've seen in the past and use the Mole Man as the villain. Uh, and then in in the second movie, I would have Doctor Doom. And I might even introduce Victor Von Doom in the origin story, but I would not have Doctor Doom in it. And uh, And then maybe a third movie where Reed kind of finds the negative zone slash quantum, you know, quantum realm. You know, it's, it's not the same exact thing, but they're tied together somehow. And that's where we meet Annihilus. So I, I would even be t- looking at three movies if I can, because I think if the FF is done right, they can carry three movies without too much of a problem. Uh, so that would be setting, unless you reverse that, maybe you go, no, cause you got to get to Dr. Doom quicker. I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you can wait till the third movie for Dr. Doom. But you could have, in theory, had, you know, you bring, well, I guess you could bring Annihilus in in the first one and Dr. Doom in the second. And then you are setting it up for Annihilus to be the big bad at the end of Phase 4, possibly. Yeah. There, there are, are options, and we could, yeah, oh, we could so many. speculating, but frankly, Kevin Feige and the Russos have proven that they will defy our expectations in ways that are so much better than what fans expected and hoped for that... We, we can hope for it, but whatever we're going to end up with is probably better than something the three of us are going to come up with in a one or two hour call. Now, have we heard yeah. anything about Chris Hemsworth being in Guardians 3? Because it clearly appears they're setting that up. It, I have not. I, I have not heard casting announcements for any Phase 4 films beyond Black Widow. So we've got Spider-Man Far From Home. And then it's just in the, the past month or two that Variety has been saying, okay, so-and-so is signed, so-and-so is signed, and half the time we don't even know the names of the characters. So I think that's just... it's. Be, I think they're trying to keep everything post-Spider-Man Far From Home close to the chest until it's out. I'm expecting another huge panel at San Diego Comic-Con this year where they roll out the next phase. But I, I think for now it's just... You know, the, when you're putting together a movie and you're casting people, you have to announce them out a certain point. It's the same reason you know we know when the Doctor is going to regenerate on Doctor Who. It's because they need to say not only does is you know this person not available because they've joined our show, but our current worker is available. So you know people might not be offering them parts because they figure they're tied up with that series or that project. It's just fair to everyone involved to make sure that they stay employed because that's one of the crappy things about working in the film industry. You don't necessarily know where your next job is coming from or when it's going to happen. Yeah, so I think it's just like Walking Dead. Yeah, so I think the the casting announcements of Black Widow are just obligatory because they're about to go into filming and people need to know who is and is not available. But they're playing it really close to the chest on everything else. Yeah, I'm looking on IMDb to see if they have ever, anything on Guardians 3, and the only two members of the cast listed is Mantis and Naisha. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we'll see more than that. I, I'm assuming, but you know, well, no you, one else is listed, not even you know Rocket or Groot or Drax. Or anything. I, I wonder if that's yeah. a byproduct of the fact that when... Uh, uh, oh, so I'm drawing a blank, the director... Uh, James Gunn. James, when James Gunn had been uh, unceremoniously uh, fired... Uh, a lot of the cast said, I'm not doing the next movie unless he's back. And now they've rehired him. 
So I'm wondering if now they need to negotiate with these people and get them back on board now that he's going to be back. I don't know how much of it is that and how much of it is just that really being open about who's in which movies after Endgame tells you who survives Endgame. And they didn't want to do that. Also true. And I mean, it, it does say 2022, so it's three years out, so they really don't have to list the cast even for another year or two. Or at least another year, realistically. Yeah, Sorry. although, like I said, I don't even know that they've officially re- announced release dates. I think a lot of this is speculation. I'm... Like I said, my, my money for what's coming next is going to be another huge SDCC panel. Well, whether with, it's reality or rumors, I've heard that uh, Black Panther is in pre-production. Mm-hmm. So I, I well, don't know if that's true or not. I haven't heard any official yeah. comment on that, but that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, I also heard they did say that, that Cougar, Coug- Ryan Coogler is back for Black Panther 2 as writer-director. So we know that's happening. Okay, good. And um, they've also announced that the same thing. I think Scott Derricks, I believe, is the name for Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, I've heard that that one is not... It's like still in the... in the Almost the planning to go into pre-production stages on Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, they've just said the, the movie is happening with, with the same director. And that's as much as I know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. all we're going to know. Like you said, I think San Diego Comic-Con will be a... Uh, a little bit of an information dump for us, and we'll get some more of an idea of where Phase Four is going to go. Uh, oh, so what and do you the think? Eternals. Oh yeah, yeah. That's oh, a... right. And I, I, I thought we might see a little bit more of a celestial side thing in this. I th- you know, not 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 really a a big thing, but just kind of like a a, a little bit of a flash to them or whatever. And uh, we we didn't, so I, I was a little surprised at that. Um, yeah, maybe have them hit Thanos with a few planets or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. What do you think we're gonna do? What do you think we're gonna do with Iron Man? Is the character officially gonna stay off the table, and that's it, or will we see him again? Um, and for, and for that matter, point. Captain America. I, well, Cap. I mean, I think if we're gonna see anything, we're gonna see Cap wise is gonna be on the Bucky and uh, Falcon TV show. I'm assuming. You know, and, I, and I'm not just talking about Steve Rogers. I mean, the you know the concept of Captain America, because the advantage of the show of the movies over the comics is, I mean, one thing they have storytelling wise that they can do differently is a because they're using real actors, they know they can't keep Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man for 50, 60 years like you can because in the comics, because well, let's face it, he's a drawing, he's as old as you want him to be. Mm-hmm. You know? Although, I guess, technically, so is Scott Lang. He's as old as they want him to be. He's an old man, he's a baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> Whatever true. they want. He pees his pants, and all, it's all good. But um, but they also have kind of Kevin Feige, like you said, directing, you know, kind of in charge of everything, so they can have a singular vision, so they can have these characters have these arcs where he dies, and because they have so many characters to bring in, they can kind of end these characters' arcs. And maybe eventually have somebody else take over as Iron Man, but I think for now, I think there's going to be no Iron Man. Yeah, I, I, most, I think we may Pepper? see. I think we, yeah, we may see somebody in the Iron Man armor for a while, but I don't think we're going to see the character of Tony Stark unless there's a flashback. I don't think we're going to see Tony Stark for a while, uh, or maybe I, recorded videos because that's well established now too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll see, and probably not in a in a big role. Maybe like in a role like she had in this movie. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Pepper in the rescue armor again. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't think she would be getting her own movie, nor do I think she's going to be, a, if they do another Avengers movie, let's say, a member of that main cast. She might show up in a big scene like she did here at the end of this movie, but I'd be surprised if she was, you know, one of the main heroes. Yeah, but see, the the thing I always come back to is Iron Man and Tony Stark as Iron Man is, despite how much everybody said, oh, they're they're making a movie about a, you know, a B or C list character when they first came out with the movie. But he is and has always been one of the prime Marvel characters. Uh, And when they replace these characters in the comics, you know, when Rhodey became Iron Man or... You know, there was there was sometimes when Happy Hogan put on the armor and whatever. It's never permanent. We always go back to Tony Stark eventually because that's the prime character. And then I so I wonder, are we going to do that in the movies? Is is Marvel slash Disney willing to give up this character for the future? I think you know, the way it's playing out, and this kind of goes against what I thought, but for the way it's playing out, it does look like they're willing to give him up for the foreseeable future. Does that mean eventually we get to the point where they're going to, you know, reboot the universe and you could start it over that way and you have a new Iron Man? Or does this go on in perpetuity and somehow they revive the character eventually through comic book logic with maybe even a different actor playing him? Uh, I do think if you're going to do that, you need to leave some time because Robert Downey has created such a, a strong impression of being synonymous and one, you know, one and the same as Tony Stark, that you can't get away with recasting him anytime too soon. But well, well, you know, unless you take inspiration from recent comics and go with the superior Iron Man, mm-hmm. and you have Victor Von Doom. Uh, well, there's that. I mean, there's also the fact that, like you said, we do have Rhodey. Um, I don't think they're going to do a reboot thing though until the movies start flagging, where you have multiple movies that aren't doing that well, and are let's say critically and, like, audience received, like, all, th- like, well, the one that is considered the weakest, Thor the Dark World, where, you know, you have, like, five movies in a row or six movies in a row where they're all considered like that. I don't think they're going to try and reboot until then. But speaking of Tony's death, uh, the death of Tony, actually, bring back something from the movie, something I was a bit disappointed by, the funeral at the end. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the only dead Avenger. I mean, yeah, they had five minutes at the water thinking about Black Widow, but it really... She is dead, as far as I know, I mean, as far as we know, she is dead. And it was, you know, regardless how she died, although she did die doing something as important pretty much as him, she's the reason he had the stones, and the vision's dead too, as far as I know completely. It would have been nice if it was portrayed as a triple funeral. It's not like they had to change anything up and, oh, we need to have these people now for Vision or Scarlet Witch's funeral. It'd be the same people anyway. Well, yeah, And I- it would have been nice to have representation of the fact that these characters also perished and mattered to us as well. I'm kind of going with the thought process that they had funerals. Uh, we just didn't see them. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. We don't see it. It would have been nice to have like a little something for each of them put on the water, showing that it's a me- memorial for all of them. Or may- maybe you, c- you could have done you know, a quick flash of... of I don't know if you'd have a funeral for the Vision, unfortunately. Uh, I don't want to be anti-Android, but I'm not sure... You know, I'm not yeah. sure that, that if you're a character in this universe that you're accepting that he can never be brought back. Um, well, but just just the same. Certain, certainly, you could have had a flash of Black Widow's funeral, and mm-hmm. then you could have had it fade into Tony Stark's funeral and shown that they were two separate events and that they were equally, or at least you know, close to equally 
significant to these characters. Yeah, I I, mean, I I think in this movie, Black Widow deserved a funeral because you know that happened. She's there. I suspect that the elaborateness of Iron Man's funeral is because you know if Robert Downey Jr. is going to give up these paychecks, he's going to want to to go out with a bang, and he's got that kind of contract pull that Scarlett Johansson just doesn't have. But I'm totally okay with the Vision not having a funeral here because that would have happened, I think, between movies, right? Well, From the perspective of these characters, he, yeah, exactly. It's been five years, so yeah. Although they, they still Wanda miss wasn't him. There. Wanda wasn't there, but like, so Wanda would still miss him, and we saw her mourning him. But yeah, I think in terms of a full-scale funeral, Visions was done, and I mean, that's I just not something we saw. I can and, go with that, but at least the Natasha one, or at the very least, even a small one for her with, like, just uh, Hawkeye and his family and maybe the Hulk. And Fury. Mm, okay, yeah, it's, it's actually get less small than I thought. I was thinking, and Cap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I think they, you know, if they, if, if Chris Evans decided, you know what, I'm ready to play Captain America again, which I'm not sure he's ever going to, but if he did, or if they rolled enough money down his driveway to make him want to. Uh, I do think they can undo the old cap thing. I think. Well, the, they could. You, they you could have the Tron travel aspect already. He was. He's been around since the forties. They can have him in a secret mission that no one, you know, at, with Peggy, at any point they want to. I well, mean, if they can you, get you them can't back, have him from when it. he was frozen in the ice until they found him, though. Well, yeah, you can. We've got an alternate reality version that lived those years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. He was actually, while he was frozen in ice, he was still married. That's true. Good point. I mean, because that's another advantage they have of the movies, of the comics. And the comics, like, we have Cap here now. This is where Cap belongs. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's really a time travel story. You know, he went back to, he went back home. So now there is the scene, I believe it's in Winter Soldier, where there's a, uh, I think it's when they're in the Captain America Museum or whatever it is. And, uh, there's a, an interview with Peggy Carter where they said how she, he saved her husband, but they never identify who her husband is. Uh, do you think they knew then that they were going to do this one day? Might have been a thought, or it might have just been, we don't know what we're going to do yet. Let's just, that sounds good. That's vague, that's vague enough that, you know, it gives us a little something to hint at in the future, but we don't have, we're not trapped with anything yet. Yeah, I, I read that moment as... You know, if the Agent Carter TV series continued as far as they wanted it to, she'd have ended up married to one of the Howlers. And yeah, that's, now that's history's kind of been rewritten, so she's married her first choice instead of her second. Yeah, I kind yeah. of thought the same thing. Uh, I, I think that was that was a very... If Chris Evans is done and we're not going to see this character on the screen anymore, I think it was a very satisfying way to lose him. Because you're happy for him that he got to live the life he deserved. Uh, whereas Tony Stark you know, made you sad <laughs> to, to see him go like that. Uh, you know, it's not, not that it was not a satisfying ending, but it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was meant to be sad and it was. Yeah. And, but also a bit of a surprise. I mean, well, not a bit of a surprise, but I mean, up until near the end, I was getting a little surprised. I really did expect to uh, go back in time and stop it. Or to go back in time and have bring everyone back around right then, so that the five years didn't happen. And I was really expecting, based on what he was saying early on about not wanting to lose priorities, not losing his family, 
that he was going to lose the daughter. That maybe we would the movie would end with her being born, so you'd see he would still get her. But that was something that definitely surprised me. You know, was a bit of a twist for me in the movie is that I, they actually kept those five years in continuity. It happened. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were going to undo that continuity somehow, and I thought we were going to go back to, you know, the point when Thanos had the Infinity Gauntlet and uh, and destroyed, or you know, half the universe. Uh, I thought we, the timeline was going to stop there at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah I honestly just, thought that they were going to get a double switch where after we had the one switch with the nebulas, they were going to switch back and the future altruistic nebula was going to sneak up next to Thanos, take the gauntlet and roll the clock back. Which would have been a callback in a in way yeah. to the original to the gauntlet comic. Yeah, yeah, but that that didn't happen. I mean, a lot of this I didn't... For the bulk of this, the only two things that I accurately predicted, I I did predict since Age of Ultron that when the Thanos story ended, Cap would pick up the hammer. Because if you go back to that scene where Thor's going, yeah, go ahead, only the worthy can lift it. When Cap goes to pick it up, it twitches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you get that moment of hesitation from Thor and the smile on his face. I always read that as Cap was worthy and could have easily lifted it then and knew it but wasn't going to do that in front of Tony and just let it ride. And he and, and Thor knew that that's the way I interpreted the scene from the start. So that moment I was waiting for, and was still very happy when it happened. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, that, I mean, and that's, yeah. that's where I was going to bring us next was just kind yeah. of to the final battle scene, which goes on extensively and never, yeah. never feels like it's flagging at all. It's just so, I think, masterfully choreographed i just think it's so well done everybody gets their moment even uh the characters who you know had been gone after the last movie you know we get to see a good black panther moment we get to see a good spy uh, quite a few good spider-man moments uh i enjoyed and i thought it was kind of cool but it did take me out of the movie for just a moment uh the scene when uh captain marvel takes the gauntlet and She's being escorted by all the female characters. I just, I just thought, you know, okay, it's, 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 it was enjoyable. Don't get me wrong, but it was just a touch heavy-handed. Yeah, that was a little unnatural because you, it should have been saying that yes, they are very capable and they're going to help. But why is it only the female characters who are available to help? Yeah, I mean, I have no problems putting all the female characters there, but also have. You know, there's more Black Panther. Spider-Man should have been standing with them, but just just the logistics yeah. of what it would take to have all those female characters congregate in that one spot. It was it was a great homage to the female characters, and and you know a, a strong moment for them, which I I liked. Uh, mm-hmm. But like I said, it just didn't seem natural. It didn't it didn't feel organic. It felt like we want to give them this moment, so we're going to. Maybe. On the other hand, though, it only was a moment, so it really doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't you know like what? it was a 20-minute scene, so I was fine with it. And our reaction to that moment may be very, very different from the reaction of eight-year-old girls in the audience. Oh, absolutely. And that's and, and, what it's yeah. for. And eight-year-old, exactly. eight-year-old girls in the audience and 80-year-old girls in the audience and men in the audience should see it and just think, oh, that's pretty cool. I, I don't have yeah. any any problem with it whatsoever, and that's I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I do. Yeah, uh, well, I mean it's what we have here 
is it's a course correction. So yeah, it's a little artificial and heavy-handed to have all the women there at once, but we're also drawing from a medium where, you know, how long did it take before any of these superhero teams had more than one female character at a time? Right? We are oh, we're drawing from something that's been predominantly heterosexual white male for so long that course correction is necessary. To uh, to uh, paraphrase Virginia Slims, we've come a long way, baby. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's definitely a lot more emphasis on, on the female characters than there used to be, and it it's a positive, absolutely. I just, I find it to be, I think it's much more effective and impactful when it happens as organically as possible. Uh, yeah. You know, but you wanted to create this moment in this movie, and I, I don't think, I don't think you had five minutes of the fight scene to have it kind of develop little by little. So you had to just kind of throw it out there and say, you know, just run with it, guys. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Let's go. And, and like yeah, I said, it was, it was definitely well done. No question about oh, it. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not criticizing, and I'm, not critic- I'm certainly not criticizing the goal that they had in showing, hey, take a look at all these strong female characters we have now. I, I think of course. This- Sorry. Right. I was say, of course, the sad thing is, the, the first one was not there, <laughs> you know, in this franchise, mm-hmm. which True. is Natasha. Um, and speaking of them, by the way, Nebula with the Switch, again, I was thought they were going to stick with the evil Nebula. So the fact that we still got good Nebula by the end of the movie, because I really loved Karen Gillen's performance as Nebula. I mean, I never cared for this character in the books before, and I really do like her as Nebula. Yeah, and I think that that was necessary as much as that... Like, I really like that, too. But if they reset her and Gamora, it would have been that much more difficult to do Guardians 3. I think having Nebula there, remembering the friendship she had and remembering the heroism when Gamora's going, that's not me, what are you talking about, is going to be a nice role reversal. Exactly. Plus, character-wise, Nebula's the one she would talk, at least, knows. So at least it's somebody she recognizes. The other, she has no idea who the hell they are. (laughs) Exactly. Without the future Nebula that we've got, I don't see a reasonable way to keep Gamora involved in that franchise. But Nebula can be the catalyst saying, no, this is where we belong. You come with me and get on board. And then we get that dynamic where Star-Lord is still madly in love and Gamora is still going, what was I smoking? (laughs) Who the hell are you, and why are you, Why am I talking to you, even? Yeah. Yeah, so I do like that. I love a lot of this. I mean, like a lot of it surprised me. Um, I, I wasn't sure who was going in, because I do know, you know, it's been announced that everyone who survived Infinity War was only under contract through the end of Endgame. So any characters who survived the first snap... We're going to need to renew contracts to keep going. So I wasn't, until the movie was actually playing out, I couldn't have told you who was going to live from that batch and who wouldn't. Uh, the only ones that I, I kind of saw coming were, oh, I mean, Black Widow had me going back and forth because of the way that that was happening. I, I figured she was going to do it when they got to the top, but then, you know, it looked like Hawkeye was going to do it, and then she ends up saving him anyway after he jumped off the cliff, which was a fantastic sequence. Um, and then when Iron Man asked Doctor Strange, is this the one? And Strange says, if I tell you what's going to happen, it won't happen. That's when I figured 
Iron Man is not going to make it. He's going to have to make the noble sacrifice, and if he knew that much in advance, then he was going to try to to think his way through it because he likes to solve the impossible problems. Yeah. So that was it. He had to hold up that finger to say one in just that right vulnerable moment to pull it off. So that's the thing. Yeah, I figured it would be the, the Iron Man Noble Sacrifice to get us through it when Doctor Strange refused to tell him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah speaking great. of Doctor... Sorry, Sorry, go on. Go ahead. No, speaking of Doctor Strange, I really enjoy because it, it just seems like a weird mix-up. The Hulk Ancient One meeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that was kind of a change of pace uh, in just a, just the way it was presented. And I really liked just kind of the interaction between the two and her coming to the realization that she needed to give it to him without him having to, you know, battle her. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't forgotten, that by the end he's still like, no, 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 I promised we're bringing this back. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't see it, we know it happened. Yeah. But no, I, I did like that resolution when she's like, wait a minute. So Strange is supposed to be the best of us, and he just gave it away? Okay, he knows something we don't. Here you go. Yeah. But it just was also just such a weird mix-up. I mean, when do you expect to see the Ancient One and the Hulk together? Yeah, yeah. true, very so true. I, I, liked, I liked having that mix-up. I enjoyed that. That was, a, that was fun. Yeah, and speaking of the Netflix show characters coming in, one thing I was missing, but I'm hoping we, we still get in a couple of years, probably my favorite part of Original Sin is the dynamic between Doctor Strange and the Punisher. And that's an option on the table and another similar mix-up thing. I might have to re-look that then, because I don't remember, I didn't read any of that part. That's actually one of my few fond memories from that miniseries. Yeah, I, ne- I, I never actually, uh, well, I know I did read the series, but, uh, okay, yeah, we'll go with your thought on that. <laughs> um, so we walked out of the movie yesterday, and two of the younger uh, members of our group who were both seeing it for the second time, uh, declared instantly that this is the best of the Marvel movies. And knowing that, you know, knowing my uh, comic book affiliation, they started saying, what do you think? And I pulled back and I said, I loved it. Is it the best one? I don't know yet. I need I need more time for perspective on it because, I, I, quite frankly... Uh, I'm not even sure which was the best one before, but there's about three or four that I think are among the candidates for the best. Uh, I think Infinity War was a candidate. I think the first Avengers movie was a candidate. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was. I think Winter Soldier was. Uh, Where does this fall among those which I think are kind of the best of the best? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Yeah, I I I believe it. I believe it it deserves a spot among them. That much I'll say. Yeah, I'll agree yeah. with that. But yeah, I need more time. And for me, a movie like that, you know, to say what is my favorite of, those, of a movie, like a series of movies, or a favorite of movies overall, I need to watch it a couple times because it needs to be something that I can keep watching. Oh, there's no question I mean, I'll be able to rewatch this without it. I want to watch it today. Oh, yeah, I want to rewatch it. But I mean, can I rewatch it 10 times? Can I rewatch it 20 times? I mean, well, let's, I mean, it's the reason it's the title of the show, and it's true. If I, Jaws is on, I'm watching it because I can watch that over and over again. But some other movies, I like them, I enjoy them, but I'm kind of not always like, eh, I don't feel like I don't really want to watch this right now. You know, I like them enough, but 
I've, I've talked need, about that in the know, past, too. There's certain movies that I will acknowledge are just incredibly well done. They're just, you know, uh, acting, script, directing, top-notch. But I don't that I don't have a desire to rewatch. Rewatchability does play a, 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 a factor in my ratings of these movies. Uh, yeah. the, the one I can point to just to stick with the genre is uh, Logan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that was one of the best made comic book movies, but frankly, I saw it once. I enjoyed having sat through it. I don't have a lot of desire to rewatch it because it is very dour and kind of depressing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's tough to rewatch and put yourself through that emotional roller coaster again. But I will say, I think that Logan is probably the best of the Fox superhero films to date. It, it is the best movie of the bunch, but where it would rank on the Jaws scale, it still might be behind. For me, it would be behind, no question about it, it would be behind uh, First Class, because I think First Class is also incredibly well made, but very rewatchable. Yeah, so there, I, I'll have to wait a while before I can judge this movie, because, again, going with that thing, like, for instance, I could watch most of, you know, at least the original trilogy of Star Wars a lot, but I'm probably going to watch Empire Strikes Back way more than I watch Return of the Jedi. Even though I still love Return of the Jedi, because Empire Strikes Back is just, you know, that's something I can watch over and over and over and over again. Right. right. So I, I, we'll have to wait to see on this. Yeah, so time will tell, ultimately, what mm-hmm. we, where we fall on this movie and where it falls in the uh, grand scheme of things. But yeah, for now, I, I think we all agree it is a serious contender for the top spot. And that's the that's where I'm going, is for now, yeah. is it yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna say it's Jaws. It it pulls through so much. Like I said, it feels like a great season finale for a well developed TV series. It's just ten years with movie size episodes, right? But this is number twenty two, and it pulls it all together. My quibbles are minor. So yeah, we've said before up to this point, every Marvel movie that's produced through Marvel Studios, every part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe releases, is either Jaws 1 or 2, and I'm going to say this is Jaws 1, because for me, there's no doubt in my mind that it's in the top half, and, you know, well up there. It's probably top five, if not top three, and contender for number one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jaws right now. I mean, like I said, I'll have to see if rewatchability and everything, whether it stays as Jaws or goes to Jaws 2 eventually, but for now... It is deserving of Jaws, from what, and base, and one of the reasons is what it, what it accomplished, what you just said. It feels like the season finale for a really good TV show, except the TV show is a series of movies, and when has that been ever done before? So not only was it an, it, was it, is it an experiment, but it's a very successful experiment. I mean, this is something, like I said, it's something, like something we know, a TV show, but yet it's a brand new thing. It's a movie series that's like a TV show. Yeah. And it did, it stuck the landing, and I'm excited enough that I do want to try and see it again. So I, for now, at least have to have to give it a Jaws because, wow, they just pulled in so much stuff, and they tricked us. I mean, not tricked us, but they did twist us a bit. They still gave us what we wanted, and yet didn't give us ex- in exactly the right the way we wanted it or expected it to be, and we still enjoyed it. And that's not easy. So we're pretty much unanimous on this, that... Uh... That it, 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 it's based on one viewing, it is Jaws. Uh, I don't 
expect that to change, quite frankly. Uh, I think I'm going to believe, I think it's just so well done. I think the acting is top notch. The direction is top notch. The story itself is put together so well. Uh, I didn't really feel, and maybe upon closer viewing, I will find some, uh, but I didn't really feel there were any significant plot holes in it. Uh, my one disappointment, like I said, is just that we never got the Thanos Hulk fight that I would have liked to have seen, but that's such a minor quibble that it, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it really is, uh, what do they say, uh, one of my friends says, you know, you're, you're like the old woman uh, with a Virginia ham under each arm complaining she doesn't have any Italian bread. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of what I feel like. Uh, I, I just think it's so well done, and I think it deserves a place among those that I mentioned earlier that I consider to be the best of the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, you know, where it ranks among them, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to have to put some perspective on it and, and place that in my mind because uh, I try not to let recency bias creep in, uh, which I think, you know, like I said, it was the younger people in my group were saying, and I think young people have a tendency to have a recency bias with movies. Uh, I try to avoid that. Uh, but I just, you know, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. The question is, do do I go to the movie theater or do I have the patience to wait until I can watch it at home at some point? That's really the only issue about when I'm going to yeah. see this again. So It's only a question of when, if I have time to go see it again. Yeah. Well, I, I, it probably wouldn't hurt to send a few more dollars to them at the box office because... Yeah, because they're hurting. <laughs> they, they need they, they need my support. Yeah, uh, I mean we're we're just a few days in, so we obviously don't have the grand totals, but we do have the Friday, Saturday, and partial Sunday totals available. Um, actually, this is the domestic total as of April twenty sixth. It's what one hundred and fifty six million seven hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. With foreign of four hundred and eighty-seven million. Well, they said this was the highest uh, grossing pre-sale of any movie so far. Now that's a small yeah. sample size because pre-sales, you know, weren't occurring fifteen years ago. Uh, I, I think it's you know more of like in the last five years that that's become a big thing. So yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not not a, a, a huge sample size, but it is the biggest so far for that, and I. Think you know again? We you know they didn't stick the landing. They they put together a movie that I think it's going to have legs enough that by the time it's done, quite possibly will be the highest grossing movie of all time. And that's I'm at least hoping that it it passes Titanic because that does not deserve its spot <laughs> on that list as far as I'm concerned. Which we have discussed but, in yeah. the past. Uh, yeah, so. but we're we're looking at um, the, the three day record prior to this was $268 million for the domestic three-day record. And this did almost $157 million on Friday alone. There are theaters that are running, they're just not closing for 72 hours to meet the demand for this film. It yeah. is just nonstop rotation. I've got people who are like, yes, I finally got opening weekend tickets. I'll be there at 4 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> it, it's that kind of appointment and that kind of anticipation. So... Like, yeah, we can't go into the normal kind of final box office numbers, but the Variety sent out an email yesterday at about four in the afternoon Mountain Time, saying 
that, uh, yep, it's just confirmed at 1.1 billion worldwide, which Disney has announced that's their break-even point. So one of the most expensive If they're in the break-even point and the movie's three days old, I think we're going to do okay. So there's a good chance it'll still be out for a few weeks when we have a chance to go see it again. Okay. Yeah. Decent chance. I'm thinking I will have the opportunity. It's just a question of, uh, like I said, do I have the patience to wait? Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, I'm I'm a teacher in my day job, and we were instructing students yesterday not to talk about it because there were other students in the room who desperately wanted to see it, and they couldn't get tickets for for this week at all. Yeah, I'm I'm going the first week in May. Spoilers. I I didn't really know anything that was going to go on, uh, you know, going into this, and I'm happy about that. So, uh, yeah, I gave the spoiler warning beforehand, so I don't think we've ruined this for anybody, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully we've enhanced their viewing pleasure. But uh, I guess we're going to call it on that, and I want to thank you both for getting up early and coming on with me so that we could get this episode out. Uh, do you want to each take a minute and tell everybody where they could find you? Lane, go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got a, a few podcasts that are released through Bureau42.com. Make Me Watch It is about to wrap up in June. That's where I watch movies from my archive, but I just... I find I'm doing a few too many podcasts. I'm spread too thin. I want to focus on a smaller number and do them well. So Bedtime in the Public Domain will continue, where I'm reading books that are out in the public domain. Um, The X-Files Retrospective will continue until that series is done. We're about halfway through Season 7 right now. And um, this, this December, so December 2019... Trey Hooks and I are launching 99 Years 100 Films, which is our monthly look at all of the Best Picture winners from the Academy Awards. Cool. I, you, I've, you know, I'm one of the people who's actually had a chance to listen to that one, even though it hasn't launched yet. And I'm recommending, I'm rec- recommending all of them, but I'm recommending that one uh, because that's the only one I know that I'm the only one. Who, well, not the only one, but I, but I've gotten the advanced preview on it. <laughs> How about you, Al? <laughs> Uh, right now, main place to find me is Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. So, you know, if you like Thanos and you want more from him, come to me. Uh, it's on iTunes and all the other places or resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Uh, there's some more, a few other things that are in, uh, being planned right now, but right now that's the only show I have out. All right. And again, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. He used the stones again. Hey, we'd be going in short-handed, you know? Look, he's still got the stones, so... So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back. Just like that? Yeah, just like that. Even if there's a, a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try. If we do this, how do we know it's gonna end any differently than it did before? Because before you didn't have me. Hey, new girl. Everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time? There are a lot of other planets in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys. I like this one. Let's go get this son of a bitch.